Well, hello, this is John Lewis, and uh, this is session two of a series that I'm calling Making a Room Called Hope, taking a look at what the Bible says about hope as we think about how we navigate life in a, in a world that often can seem hopeless. And the, uh, so we're looking at four walls uh, that we're going to build, meta, you know, metaphorically, of course. And the first wall we're going to talk about today um, in this room called Hope, and that is that the author of our true hope is only God himself. The author of true hope is God. Let's start by kind of reviewing what we mentioned in the first podcast, that universally uh, people hope, and that experience of hope could be uh, described as the conscious or unconscious expectation that someone or something will bring about for us a different and desirable future, something different than we're experiencing right now. Fun examples abound, you know, uh, in normal life. Uh, this is near the Christmas season. At the time of this podcast, you think of young kids putting their hope in a person, Santa Claus, that will bring about a different toy, a desirable future on Christmas morning. Kids do this all the time, consciously or unconsciously, growing up in homes that the expectation that tomorrow there'll be food on the table, that they can trust their parents and their work ethic and their love and faithfulness, that they just believe they'll have a good future. We see this kind of hope uh, at play in elections, in election season and in politics, that we put our hope in a particular person that will bring about a desirable future, a change for our country. People put their um, uh, their hope in something like Wall Street or the economy or the stock market in the hope that, that uh, there will be a better financial future for them when they retire. And so again, how humans see and experience our source of hope is the starting point and the anchor for what we will hope, what, what the future is that we will expect. And this is true for Christians as well. And I think over the last year, um, I, I'm watching how people are responding, both um, the American population as a whole and even Christians, I've had to wonder what really is the source of our hope? And is that part of the reason that we're feeling hopeless? What exactly are we putting our hope in? And this hasn't been true just, you know, for our generation, but for many generations of Christians throughout church history. There have always been in times of ease or difficulty. Uh, it's just been easy for Jesus followers to put their hope, their start of their, the anchor of their hope, the start of their hope in something here and now, uh, something that is different than Jesus Christ. And so in light of our tendency to to find hope uh, and its source in wrong places. God repeatedly calls and commands and inspires his people to hope and to trust in him as the only true source of hope. Maybe hard to hear at first, but it really is good news. So let's take a moment to say what uh, we as Jesus followers might describe as our hope. I'm going to say that it's the learned and constantly renewed expectation that God will, when Jesus comes again, bring about for us his promised, different, and desirable future. And this hope 
this hope of the kingdom come is rooted not only in the past of how God our King has brought about uh, good ex, um, good futures for people. He's been true to his promises, but it's also based uh, on Christ's resurrection as the down deposit for his future coming again in our resurrection. And so, as I said up front in this session, our focus on this first wall of our room called hope is on the source of our hope. And we're going to go to uh, the scripture to take a closer look at the source of our hope. And Psalm 42.6 is as good a place as any, just summarizes so much of what scripture means and says. It says, hope in God. You could put in parentheses, as your source of hope. For he says, for I shall again praise him. For the help of his presence. You can just imagine him seeing the presence of God working and moving in the future, you know, to bring about his expectation. Psalm 71 says, you, O Lord, are my hope. You are my confidence. This is where I'm putting my confidence, and I've done it since I've been a youth. From birth, he says, I have relied on you, parentheses, to bring about my hope. You can just hear um, the confidence he has as God is the source of his hope. Hebrews 12 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. In other words, I'm running the race um, because somebody else ran the race ahead of me. He was the author of taking that step of faith and running that race. And like he fixed his eyes you know, on that hope for the joy set before him, I will do the same. Jesus Christ, his model and example, his resurrection is the source of my hope. Now, we should remember here that the devil knows, as we shared in our last session, he knows how important hope is. It's the foundation of our faith and our love, especially in times of difficulty and struggle when we're tempted to be homeless, uh, hopeless. And so remember, too, that the devil can't create anything. And his strategy to distract us, he, can, he can't even create sin. All he can do is pervert something that's good. So, for example, he doesn't create greed, but the devil perverts a good desire and turns it into greed. Satan didn't create pornography, but he can pervert uh, the beauty of sex and marriage into a perverted uh, practice like pornography. So how does this relate to hope? Well, Satan wants to pervert the good and right way of seeing God that would naturally lead us to trust him for the future. And so that's what he did in the garden, remember, was if, uh, was to distract Eve and Adam from the goodness of God, suggesting he was stingy. And if he could get them to see God as small, he knew that that would affect their ability to say yes in the future and minimize their, their trust in God for a future hope as well. And so bottom line, from the beginning in the garden and uh, modern day, the faith journey is that the strength of our, um, our hope in the future, the level of our conviction will be in perfect parallel with the strength and character of its source and for us as Christians of God himself. And again, this is also true, you know, outside of Christianity. If you start doubting in the existence of Santa Claus, you start doubting that he's the one to bring presents, to use a funny example. Or if you start doubting your parents' integrity or that they know it all anymore, or they can, you know, or that for some reason they don't follow through on their promises, then you begin to doubt, you know, your future in their home. If you begin to doubt politicians and ability to keep, you know, their character, you begin to doubt that, that they can really bring about the future that they're promising. 
And so that's the first temptation is to make God small. The second temptation we could consider is that, okay, well, I can trust God, I guess, for my future, but I also can trust something else and have like a twin source of hope, uh, putting uh, uh, feet in two camps at the same time. And of course, there's significant dangers, you know, trying to serve two masters or anchoring your hope in two different places. And uh, one of the ways we can do that, for example, I know in my life is um, to fall in the trap of trusting my own abilities or my own keeping the, you know, keeping all the stuff I'm supposed to do and being a good person. I'm a firstborn and grew up that way, thinking if I get good grades and I, and I can kind of trust my abilities, I can expect a good future, you know, of uh, getting a scholarship or whatever it was. And I brought that into my Christian faith. I, Job's words, you know, um, uh, Job is a great example of someone who perhaps was fooled to thinking that his good behavior was was alongside the goodness of God, the reasons he was blessed and he could have hope. Um, but actually, um, he would come to the end and realize it really wasn't his own good behavior that was the source of his hope. Proverbs 26 says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Boy, do I see that in myself People who think that their education, their diplomas, their wisdom, their seminars, their podcasts somehow enables us to trust ourselves for a better future. And so we pause now and just recognize um, the potential lies that are coming from the enemy all the time to get us to put our hope in something in addition to God as Jesus followers. So if all this is true, if it's the nature of the enemy to make God small or to make us split our hope into several places, well then, um, you know, we need to ask where then can we find our hope? How do we cultivate that? How do we cultivate an awareness again, um, you know, that God alone is the source of our hope? And again, the scripture is such an important place to start. This is where we're reminded of the truth. Job said it in chapter 17, where is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? He, uh, he said uh, in chapter 19, he tears me down on every side. He uproots me like a tree. Here we see Job's process from getting um, to dealing with the lies and perhaps the multiplicity of where he had been putting his hope that God was using disappointment pain and suffering in his life to reveal to him that he had this issue of dual hope or misplaced hope. Uh, Psalm 42 points to the same process that God uses to purify our hope into him as being the source only. Uh, Psalm 42 says, why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. Seeing his own despair, you see, seeing his own um, difficulties it forced him to put all of his chips, metaphorically, all of his investment uh, of hope in, in the source of it in God. And so, how do we, in today's world, as Jesus followers, start making our room called hope? Well, I think the first steps, I hope, is clear, is that, is that we need to be open to having a, a sense of remorse, of honest reflection, uh, for where maybe we've misplaced our hope consciously or unconsciously, both for ourselves again, but also for the church as a whole, which we're a part of. And then from there, uh, we have to ask if I'm turning away from those false senses of sources of hope, where am I turning towards? And uh, the scripture makes it really clear that this is, first of all, not something that we do alone. It's something that we, it's a race that we run together. 
Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, paints this picture, again, of running the race with Jesus ahead of us. But it's a race that's that's full of people around us, like running a, you know, a, a very significant 6K with 200 applicants, and you're all at the starting line together, and you all start running together. That's the spirit. We do this journey of hope and discovering our hope in Christ together. We do it by coming back over and over to remember what God has done for us. Gratitude, again, becomes part of it. Remembering the God who brought about the future, you know, the hope, the hope that we had had, the good things that have happened. Then we can trust him for even a bigger and better future hope when he comes again someday. I love I love the call to come back and over and over to God's word in a world where there's fake news, where we can't really trust reports that we hear so often. Um, the psalmist says, you are my hiding place. I hope for your word. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. So not just the written Bible and the pages, but the Spirit coming to make those words alive and real, to make Jesus alive and real, and to anchor us into Him as the source of our hope. And so these first steps of building that first wall of hope, uh, we, we begin by listening, you know, to our own heart and admit where we have misplaced our hope, where we have made God too small, either ourselves or the church that we're a part of or the American church. This is all part of our confession. And we have to admit that at times we want the blessings of God's kingdom, but not necessarily wanting him to be the king of every area of our life. And so there's a a welcoming of both the king into our life, the source of our hope, as well as the hope of his kingdom. God wants to be welcomed alongside his kingdom. And so may we then, you know, in the days ahead, as, um, as we explore hope, just continue in the scripture, in our own reflections of our own story, rediscover, reappreciate, and thank God again for his character, his faithfulness, and his worthiness for us to trust him as the source of our hope. Let's build that first wall of hope in this room um, that we're building, that God is the true source of hope. See you next time.